Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Professional Sports Talk Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jack Murphy. In this episode, we're going to be recapping the usual Week 16 action. This episode's going to be a little bit shorter than usual because it is my birthday, (laughs) and I want to be able to do some stuff other than record my podcast and figure this all out the day of. If you are listening to this episode, the best thing you can do as a birthday gift is just share this with your friends and family, get them to tune in too. Make sure to follow my podcast and follow my Instagram at Professional Sports Talk, and that's the best gift I can ask for. So without further ado, in this today's episode, we're going to get into... We're going to get into my usual reactions to my favorite games, and then I'm going to finish off by giving my awards of the year, such as MVP, Coach of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, etc., etc. I'm going to start in order, so we're going to start with Thursday night game, Thursday night's game, excuse me, Titans versus the 49ers. 49ers fans have to be fuming after this one. I mean, they had every opportunity to win this game. On the bright side, Debo Samuel is still one of the most electrifying players in the sport. Seriously, like he is just... Must see TV every time the ball gets in his hands. He's extremely dynamic, always making guys miss, running through guys. Um, we know he's like that running back when he gets the ball in his hands, and he can make a lot of special things happen after the catch. We saw that continuously in this game. I believe he had seven catches for 159 yards, something like that. I know it was 159 yards. I'm not quite sure how many catches he had. I could actually just check right now. Nine catches, 159 yards. So again, very solid average, 17.7 yards per per catch. Um, either way, Titans offense was looking extremely stale in this one outside of A.J. Brown. And there was a couple of good runs uh, after a Jimmy G interception which again has to be driving Niners fans crazy it's now coming out that Jimmy G fractured his thumb on that first interception and also partially tore a ligament um so again just kind of a reminder of why they took Trey Lance uh it's obviously now being reported after the fact of all those injuries so Trey Lance is going to likely start it's sounding like Jimmy G is going to try it out but I really doubt that he's going to be good to go for next game Either way, it's just you've got to be frustrated. This one, just so many missed opportunities and blown opportunities by the Niners. Um, got to give credit to the Titans for capitalizing on those mistakes, and they made the most of it. I really thought the 49ers would win this game, and at the end of the day, they outplayed the Titans entirely. But if you outplay yourself, you shoot yourself in the foot enough times, especially against a very well-coached team with a very good defense like the Titans. It's going to catch up to you, and it ultimately did. The Titans ended up winning this one. Good for the Titans. Still not too confident in this team as far as playoffs goes, um, mostly because we do expect Derrick Henry to be back, but I really doubt him to be 100%, and we just know that they're, they've had a lot of injuries all year. I think that's going to hurt their chemistry. I don't really think they're going to bring it all together, and frankly put, I just think there's better teams in the AFC right now. Obviously, we already saw them beat the Bills earlier this year. We haven't seen them play the Chiefs yet. The Chiefs are just playing like out of their minds right now. They're the best team in the AFC in my books, but the Bills are a much different team than the first time they played. And the Titans are obviously a much different team than the first time they played. Titans, last time they played, basically had their guys at full strength. Derrick Henry absolutely took over that game. And again, if they meet again in the playoffs, I don't really expect Derrick Henry to be 100%. So I'm just... I like what I'm seeing from the Titans. I need to see a little more, I guess is what I'm saying. Um, I just see both of these teams as, you know... They're in a little different boats because I think the Titans are going to win the division. I don't think the Niners even have a shot. But, um, again, as far as deep playoff contention, I could see 
uh, the Titans winning a playoff game, but I don't really see them as deep contenders, um, mostly because I just haven't seen them all play together and healthy. And as much as I love their defense, I still think there is some holes in that secondary in particular. Uh, I'll just need to see a little bit more. But either way, good for the Titans. Well-coached teams normally capitalize off mistakes like that. And these mistakes by Jimmy G were just very crucial, and they can't happen. And it was just too often, and they couldn't get over that hump. Like they just couldn't get over themselves, couldn't stop shooting some, themselves in the foot. And that ended up being the difference in the game. Moving on to the next game, this is one of the f- second Christmas game. This is the night game. This is the Colts versus the Cardinals. Uh, I really like the Colts a lot in this game and then right before the game game time Darius Leonard and a few other guys were added to the COVID list obviously Darius Leonard in my opinion is the best linebacker in the league so that was a huge hit and the Colts were already missing three of their five starters on the offensive line so I was definitely nervous about that call I was definitely nervous about that bet going into it but in the end the reasons why I thought the Colts would win held true and never mind the fact actually just backtrack for a second that the Colts actually One of their backup guards, I believe, got injured in this game. And then their starting tackle went down in this game as well. So they were down a bunch of guys. It really didn't seem like they were going to be able to pull this one out. But they did. And going back to my point here, I think it all starts at the top. Frank Reich is simply a far superior head coach than Cliff Kingsbury, in my opinion. Uh, The Cardinals are also just a very young, I think, immature team. Obviously, I've been saying this for a couple weeks. uh, DeAndre Hopkins being injured just hinders their offense tremendously. I think they're very dependent on him and what he does for everyone else there. He just opens up the game for everybody else. And he's just that good of a player. He's that impactful on a snap-to-snap basis. And um, it makes me very nervous that he's not going to be around for the rest of the regular season. Um, I think their seeding is going to drop tremendously. It already has, as we've seen. They're no longer in the lead of their division. I don't think they'll be able to catch up to the Rams. I think there's a way mathematically where they can, but I just don't really see that as a possibility right now. And again, this is just a young team. They're still developing. They're still finding their ways. Very young head coach that hasn't established much in the league so far. And Frank Reich is simply the opposite of that. He's established himself very much in this league. It's very clear and obvious. This locker room is very bought into him. He's coaching up Carson Wentz very well, has basically revitalized his career in a very serious way. And Carson Wentz played great in this game. I mean, he really, really did impress me, even with a banged up offensive line and not giving the best protection at times. He was just making great plays and good decisions. There wasn't too many of those Carson Wentz, oh no, oh no, oh shit moments. So I just really liked what I saw from him. Um, It wasn't playing too much hero ball, doing just enough, but also in the same aspect, wasn't just what's the word wasn't just giving up wasn't just letting plays you know um get away from him he was it was a good mix of not trying to do too much but also uh you know making plays outside of structure i'll say it that way he was doing a really good job at that and sometimes when he tries to do that um he just tries to do too much and that's where a lot of his mistakes come from and i really didn't notice that in this game so good for him even with jonathan taylor not playing amazing i mean he still had a very good game he still had a very good run early in the game um beyond that first like 40 whatever yard run or whatever it was um he was only averaging like two point something yards a carry so again not an amazing game for him statistically he did fine um but that was mostly just from that one run and if the cards do continue to slip I really don't see how they're going to win a playoff game now. And they're obviously not controlling their destiny in their own conference. I think this is the Rams conference to lose now. Um, And yeah, I'm just getting a little nervous about this team. Just like 
you know, a few weeks ago, my opinion on this team is very different. It's crazy how fast things can change in the NFL. The NFL is not like the NBA or like the MLB or some of these other leagues where there's so many games that you can't overreact to one game. And obviously you can't, sorry, that was my cat sneezing. Obviously you can't overreact to one game anyways, um, because it still is a fairly long season. You still have 18 regular season games, but you can make a lot more conclusions about a team off one game. And now this is pattern has started to continue where the Cardinals just continue to slip and continue to fall short of expectations. You can really start to make more conclusions. And so I'm kind of jumping to the conclusion that, you know, this Cardinals team is a pretender. Um, I kind of said that last week in my episode, my preview episode, and my recap episode additionally when they lost to the Lions, um, that I just wasn't too confident in this team. And yeah, that's really start, starting to show through now. Um, I really, really like how what the Colts are doing. I really like how well coached they are. And we'll talk about more about that team in just a little bit. Let's quickly talk about the Packers versus the Browns. Um, not just really briefly talk about this game. Packers defense is still playing very well. Um, Baker is still playing very bad. Obviously, we saw that in the first half. But in the same aspect, I think this Browns, it was just a weird decision. Uh, obviously, Baker Mayfield was coming off the COVID list in this game. He had to fly separately to Lambeau Field and meet up with his team on on that day, I believe, earlier that day. He hadn't practiced all week. So I just thought it was kind of a weird scenario where I don't know why they really activated him. I don't know why he was getting the start in this game. I thought that he would be very unprepared coming off of COVID, obviously, and not practicing for basically two weeks i just thought it was a kind of a strange decision especially with all of his injuries out already how mediocre his play has been already so it kind of just like comes to the question of like you know i'm i'm pretty sure case keenum was active for this game as well so it kind of just comes down to the questions like how what percent of baker mayfield is equal to case keenum because baker was clearly not 100 in this game at least in my opinion he didn't look 100 and there was a lot of rust there to be knocked off i just don't really see why you don't start one of your backups at that point because obviously it cost him the game. I mean, it wouldn't say, yeah, I mean, it did. It did and it didn't. It's hard. It's, you know, all those picks came in the first half and the second half, their offense really cleaned things up. They're running the ball more. But again, that kind of just comes back to the coaching, their decisions. It's like, why not sit Baker Mayfield and why not run the ball a lot earlier? The second half, they're running the ball basically at will. They're pushing the Packers around. Nick Chubb was just hitting them in huge gashes. And it was just kind of a weird game for the Browns. I didn't really like their game plan going into it, I guess is what I'm saying. Um, I like that they adapted, but it felt like just too little, too late, too far into the game. And in the same aspect, the they did find a way to keep it close. Um, and that kind of makes the question come out, like, why do the Packers find ways to make all their games so close? I mean, they have the best record and they have the most wins, which of course is what really matters. But I mean, I think over the past years, a lot of these great teams have really great point differentials, and I don't know their point differential right off the top of my head, but all I know is the past few weeks, like the Ravens and like this game, they've even the Bears game at one point, like going into halftime, the Bears were winning and going in, earlier this year, they were playing Detroit at home and Detroit was winning going into halftime. I just don't really see why they... I think they're a little too conservative at times. I think Matt, Matt LaFleur needs to be a little more aggressive. And I get why, he's do, why he does what he does. Um, he wants to manage the game. He wants other teams to make mistakes first. Because obviously Aaron Rodgers is one of the most mistake-free quarterbacks in the NFL. Not just this year, but we've ever seen. So I get that aspect of it. They just want to, you know, wait for the other team to make a mistake first. Wait for the other team to break. 
and then capitalize off of it. But again, I just thought it was kind of weird. It was, I didn't really like that decision-making too much. And I think they need to be a little more aggressive with the football uh, throwing down the field in particular because these games shouldn't be this close. And with a team as dominant as it is right now and a team that should be the best team in the league, and I think they are still the best team in the league, I just want to see them just blow a team out like we just saw Kansas City do against Pittsburgh. And it will make me feel a lot more confident in them. But again, I mean, I'm not really complaining. Um, Jaguars, Jets, uh, Jaguars are going to have back-to-back number one overall picks. Yeah, that's enough said there. That game really doesn't matter. I don't think anyone's paying attention to the Jets or the Jaguars unless you're a really diehard fan of either one of those teams. And if you are, I am sorry. That must suck. But I feel you. Bears are not quite that dysfunctional, but you know, we all know they're not a good football team. As far as the Eagles-Giants go, I mean, the Eagles just keep rolling. This game was boring as hell, but then the Eagles turned it on in the second half and there was no going back. I mean, the real story here is two things. First is the Eagles' playoff hopes. It's really looking like they're en route to get that seventh seed in the NFC. And I mean, good for them. I've talked about this in my last episode. I really haven't been talking to them, talking about them enough. I really haven't been paying enough attention to them. I've been sleeping on them. I think a lot of the media has, which in a way I think a team kind of likes. I think they like being that underdog. I think they like being under-talked about. But in the same aspect, I mean, this seventh seed in the NFC, just as it was last year, is going to be extremely weak. It's a very top-heavy division, especially with the first five teams, um, or for five or six teams, I guess you could say, with the Cardinals and the Niners rounding off the five and six. But yeah, I mean, they're just, they're exciting, but they're not. They're playing old-school football. They're pushing guys around. Their run game is really getting going well. Jalen Hurts is limiting his mistakes, which obviously we've seen have success in the past with different schemes. It's not just this team doing something that's brand new we've never seen before. Um, but I totally had a thought that I just lost and just vanished my head. Um, yeah, I mean, point is this, I don't really expect this team to make a playoff push. I don't really expect this team to make a playoff game. It's looking like right now, if the playoffs came tomorrow, and I think the seedings will stay this way if I had to place money on it, they're going to play the Cowboys. Excuse me. Excuse me. They're going to play the Cowboys in Dallas in the first round, which should be a really interesting matchup considering how much those teams hate each other, considering how intense that rivalry is. So that's what I'm really looking forward to this team. I really hope they make the playoffs as a seventh seed and I hope the Cowboys keep their second seed because that'd be an awesome playoff game to watch. Not that I'm expecting them to win or anything, but again, those divisional games are always close and you think these teams know each other very well. And of course, there's a real hatred there between those two teams. And then the other storyline in this game is the Giants daunting future there's just a lot of question marks up in the air with them it's sounding like they want to stay with Daniel Jones and Joe Judge and let them establish themselves I don't really know if that's the right move um gonna be really interesting to see what they do what moves they make in the offseason I really hope they finally bolster up this offensive line a little bit and give Daniel Jones a little more time because his weapons aren't bad but I just think Saquon has no holes to run through Daniel Jones doesn't get great protection and he's still very mistake prone with the ball so overall I don't really love bringing him back especially with the draft capital you have you can definitely get a quarterback um I get that this quarterback class is not too strong in the upcoming draft so I get that part of it but their cap space isn't great either. It's just, there's a lot of question marks with this team's future, and I feel really bad for Giants fans. Um, looking forward, I don't know if they have too much to actually look forward to. You know what I mean? I'm just very nervous about this team, and I hope I'm wrong. I don't root for any team to be bad in the NFL, uh, especially not a team that I have no problem with. I have no problem with the Giants whatsoever. Obviously, it's a little different with teams like in the Lions or like the Vikings or the Packers. I want those teams to be bad, but that's just me being a Bears fan. Giants fans, 
I just feel bad for you guys. I have no problem with the Giants, and I hope that you guys can get it turned around quickly. I just don't really see a way of it happening, at least within the next couple of years, if you keep the staff around. Obviously, things can change extremely quickly in the NFL. We've seen it before with teams, but yeah, there's just a lot of question marks right now, and uh, it'll be a very interesting offseason for the Giants to see what they do to fix this roster. Next, I've got to talk about this game. I've been talking about this rivalry, it feels like, all fucking year. This is the Patriots versus the Bills. Um, I mean, Josh Allen did what Josh Allen, or more like Josh Allen did what I was worried he was going to do. Because I, again, I did say the Patriots are going to win this game. I did expect the Patriots to win this game. Um, but some of the Patriots weaknesses are really showing, coming through, but we'll get to that in a second. Josh Allen is just straight up amazing. Like he, what he means to this offense and what he does for this offense. Um, obviously when he's off and he has had a couple of off games, their entire offense struggles, but that's just what comes with being the MVP of your team. I'm not saying he's the MVP of the league or anything, cause I don't think he is. Um, but he is absolutely the MVP of this team. It's by far and away. It's not even close. Like the things he does for this team is you could argue there's no other quarterback that can do what he's doing for them and the way he carries them. Um, but in the same aspect, he's had some of these up and down games. So I think that's why you can't give it to him. And he's not likely going to be the number one seed because the Chiefs are so on fire. And they've had some ugly losses to teams like the Jaguars and whatever. My point is Josh Allen is fucking amazing. He just made every throw in the fucking book. He can throw off schedule. He can extend pockets. Um, he's just a matchup nightmare. He creates plays for other people through his athleticism uh the defenses have to respect him they basically have to put a spy on him his legs create mismatches all across the board um he's just a phenomenal talent it's amazing to see how he's developed so well into an amazing quarterback he had some just absolutely jaw-dropping throws in this one and just so many plays where it's just like there's no way you can defend what he did and i can imagine bill belichick just being absolutely frustrated yet also amazed in the film room after um just by how talented this guy is i mean he is just phenomenal. I'm so excited to watch him for the next 10 to 15 years. I hope he can keep himself healthy. I hope he can take a little less hits. Um, I really want to see him develop more into a pocket passer because obviously I don't want a Cam Newton 2.0 situation where he's named an MVP and then, you know, less than like basically like what, six years later, he's on a practice squad or not on a team, stuff like that. I just wouldn't like to see that at all. And I really hope it doesn't happen. I don't hope that on anybody. Um, but if he keeps taking hits like this, I'm not going to say he's going to. I just, I'd be more worried of it. I think he needs to take a little less hits. I'm not saying he needs to scramble more, but I maybe just not initiate as much contact, maybe get down a little earlier. And going back to the Patriots, I mean, there's a serious weakness in their game. They cannot play from behind. Their lack of the over to the top game is something I've been talking about for a while. And what I mean by that is the lack of dynamic down the field throwing. Uh, they just don't really have a speed demon or someone who could take the top off a of defense like that. Obviously, Nelson Aguilar, you'd like to. Um, I think part of the problem is Mac Jones can't fully utilize that. Um, he doesn't have like nearly the arm talent of someone like a Josh Allen. And not saying that he won't get there because obviously there's guys like Joe Burrow who don't have, you know, as crazy of an arm either um, as some of other guys in the league, but they still have that over-the-top element to their passing game. I just really think the Patriots need one more really dominant receiver. And they're going to be all right. But again, with the way they're playing football, they're just, it's sort of like that you make mistakes first. We won't give you the ball. But when Mac Jones isn't playing his best game, which he hasn't been playing recently, that style of football doesn't really work, especially if you go down early. So 
again, I have to give the Bills a lot of credit. They had a really good game plan, even with a guy, someone like Cole Beasley. I think Gabriel Davis was out in this game too. I could be wrong about that one. But, I mean, other guys stepped up. Isaiah McKenzie had a very good game. Stephon Diggs was talking shit to some of the Patriots fans. If you didn't see that video, it was really, really funny. You should look it up. Uh, he's like, you, you, you. And he's like pointing at three guys and he goes, shut the fuck up. Um, yeah, I thought that, that that made me crack up. That was pretty fucking funny. Um because I could totally see myself doing something like that on the field. Uh, but I'm not talented enough or good enough. And yeah, one man can dream, right? Anyways, point is, uh, the Bills reestablished themselves as the second best team in the AFC. In my opinion, the Bills should be serious contenders for the Super Bowl. And it's mostly due to Josh Allen's just incredible talent, incredible um, feats of what he does and what the team asks him to do and what he can pull off both outside and inside the pocket. He is just a phenomenal player. And... The Patriots are a very, very close team to being in that contending bubble. I don't think they're quite there anymore, um, simply because, again, they just can't really play from behind. And if Mac Jones continues to play in this little slump that he's been in and not play as nearly as well as he did early in the game, um, I just think they need so many things to go right, and they need so little to go wrong for them to, in order to win a lot of these very competitive games against the best teams in the AFC that I just think it's going to be a very hard road for them in the playoffs. But again, if there's one coach you don't want to see in January, it is Belichick. So don't be surprised if this team makes some noise by then. Moving on to the next game, we've got the Ravens versus the Bengals. Um, this was incredible to watch because the Bengals actually passed on early downs. It was amazing. It was like Zach Taylor was listening to me and all the other press that was just preaching. You have all these weapons. You have Joe Burrow. You're putting too much pressure on him by running early. And if it doesn't work, he's in these third and long situations. So they pass the ball in early downs. And Joe Burrow, obviously, with the help of a very, very excruciatingly beat up Ravens team, um, even their offense is beat up in this one. Josh Johnson, their three-string quarterback, had to start in this one. Uh, Through for the fourth most passing yards in a game all time. Obviously, him and T. Higgins, that connection was just shining very, very bright. Um, this is looking like one of the best receiving cores in the NFL. It certainly is the best young receiving core in the NFL. I believe all these guys between Boyd, uh, actually, I could, I guess I could look it up right now because I don't know how old Tyler Boyd is. Um, age, I believe. Okay, so he's 27. So, I mean, yeah, all these guys are very young. I know Jamar Chase and T. Higgins are both. T is 22, Jamar is 21, and Tyler Boyd's 27. So, again, very, very young receiving core that should be around for a while. Very excited to watch these guys ball up with Joe Burrow just slinging that thing. And this is a very exciting team that can make a lot of noise in the playoffs if they can play the way they did in this game. And yeah, I mean, I'm just very excited to see the future of this team. Um, the poor Ravens just can't catch a break all year between COVID, between all the injuries they sustained before the year even started to J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards, uh, uh, Marcus Peters. Sorry, I forgot his name for a second. And then, of course, M Marlon Humphrey going down earlier. They're just they're so depleted. It's honestly incredible they made it this far. And again, part of me was very worried when I talked about this game in my third Thursday episode, I really thought Huntley was still going to get the start. Tyler Huntley, that is um, not Brett Huntley, <laughs> who is, I don't even think in the league, but thanks to Caden and Reese Bigelow, I know that he went to UCLA and was drafted the Packers. So shout out Caden Westwick, Reese Bigelow. Thanks guys. Um, but yeah, I thought Brandon Huntley was going to get the start in this one. It did make me a little nervous just because John Harbaugh has been here before he's had his back to the wall like this. And 
you know, the Rave or excuse me, the Bengals are a very same way the Cardinals are, just a very young head coach, very young team. Uh, not a lot of playoff experience. I was worried they could fold in the moment, but they showed up big in a very big way. Uh, Joe Burrow obviously had a historic day, and this team's going to be very fun to watch for a long time to come. Next game, we've got the Bears versus the Seahawks, and I've got four words for you guys. Big Dick Nick, baby. Yeah, this game gave me a fucking headache. I literally, like, oh, man. I thought I needed to take an Ambien watching this game. It was so stressful. I was getting way too invested. Before the game, you know, typical Bears just fan defeated. I was like, fuck. Like, I don't even fucking care about this game. I don't even fucking want to watch this game. Like, this game is going to be so ugly. Both these offenses are just horrendous. All they can do is run the ball. It's snowing. Like, God, this game is just going to be so ugly. I was prepared for just complete heartbreak uh, in Seattle. Just, you know... When you set your expectations very low, there's very little room for you to be disappointed. So that was kind of my mindset going into this. But either way, the Seahawks should have won this game a thousand times. Russell Wilson is just not playing like himself at all. I really think that finger is still affecting him. I think there's just a lot of pride that he's playing for and a lot to prove that he still has it, to him, not only to himself, but to other teams around the league to go after him and get him in trade discussions and get him out of Seattle. Because I still think he does want out of Seattle. Um and of course, this is not helping his stock. And I don't think the Seahawks are going to be particularly happy about this because they're still going to have to trade him um, if he holds out. And his stock, his value is going to be a lot lower at this level of play than it would have been even six weeks ago before he sustained that injury. So, I mean, he, he basically rolled himself out of field goal range late in the game. Um, this game should have been over. The Seahawks were up by seven with like four five minutes to go i want to say something like that i can't remember the exact details um and then russell wilson took a big sack from robert quinn who by the way fucking monster i cannot believe robert quinn even with khalil mack going down with injury all those weeks ago i really thought that robert quinn's productivity was going to slow down just because the attention was going to be drawn towards him and khalil mack wasn't there to take those double teams and just get the attention of offensive coordinators and offensive guys and the quarterbacks and all that taking chip blocks from running backs but robert quinn is just continuing to find ways to be productive he's second in the league in sacks right now i believe he has 15 uh great for robert he's just absolutely eating um and yeah that sack that he had late on russell wilson uh essentially knocked him out of field goal range it didn't they still went for the field goal and he doinked it and then that ended up being the difference in this game the bears drove down the field with led by big dick nick who always seems to pull up clutch in the last moments of the game uh matt Nagy and an awesome play call decided to go for two um i didn't hate that call at all at the moment because again being a bears fan i, I part of me I, I mean i shouldn't say i didn't hate it part, I, mean, I didn't love it part of me was like all right like what is there to lose like we're already so bad we're not making the playoffs this would be a very great jolt of excitement if we got this and then the other part of me was like you know Seahawks offense obviously they've been running the ball pretty well but they really haven't done a whole lot this whole game I mean like they had I can check right here I've got the stats in front of me they had like something like 168 passing yards like all game I want to say 161 not even 168 they were not passing the ball well at all um obviously they're running the ball pretty well behind Rashad Penny who's still playing very well good for Rashad I uh, hope he can stay healthy because he is an extremely talented back I liked him a lot coming out of San Diego State he's just everything you want in the back he's strong he's powerful he's fast um but regardless Rashad Penny keep on up um going back to the two-point conversion yeah part of me just 
liked it because again, jolt of excitement. Why the hell not? What's there to lose? Nick Foles is clutch. Um, but again, part of me didn't like it because the Seahawks offense really wasn't doing too much before this. They really weren't showing that they could move the ball effectively. And I get that you don't really want to play for overtime in the cold like that. And you can just win it right then and there. So again, they got it. I can't complain. It was fucking cool. Really fun to watch. I watched it all happen at work. Um, it's crazy. If you told me 15 weeks into the season or 16, I guess now 16 weeks in the season that the Seahawks and the bears would have the same record before the year started. If you told me that I would have thought, wow, the bears are fucking killing it. Wow. The bear, like who would have thought the bears are good. Nah, they're just both shit. <laughs> it's just two shit shows of offenses and two shit shows of teams. So yeah, I hope Justin Fields gets better in the next coming years. I hope that I really quickly with the whole new NFL rules where you can, you know, interview head coaches earlier than ever and teams are already like getting their head coaching interviews in. Jaguars have already shown interest in Byron Leftwich and um and um I can't remember his name. He's a D coordinator. Uh Dan Quinn. Wow. Um Dan Quinn. I don't know why Nagy's still there because we are literally playing for nothing and we can start interviewing, you know, the best candidates soon. I feel like the Bears isn't the worst job, right? Like there's worse jobs out there. I feel like the Giants job would be one that not a lot of head coaches would like to take. But I mean, other than the Bears not having a ton of cap space, there's talent on this roster. They've got a really good young QB who's shown growth and development and is obviously very committed to the sport. And, um, not that, you know, other guys aren't, but I mean, we've seen guys in the past that are young and, you know, wild and want to have fun. Like, you know, Baker, Johnny Manziel, um, don't, I don't know, I'm not going to get ahead of myself, whatever. Sorry. I'm kind of going down a rabbit hole. My point is why not get rid of Matt Nagy so you can start coaching some of those guys, some of those best candidates, because you have nothing to play for this year. And strategically, it's going to give you an advantage in the future if you get rid of him now and start interviewing some of those best guys. Just saying. All right, next game, we've got the Steelers versus the Chiefs. Uh, I think you can say it now. The Steelers are dead. The Steelers are done. Steelers aren't making the playoffs. Um, TJ Watt has got to be very mad about that because obviously that goes into the whole award system. I think that's going to hinder his chance of having defensive player of the year, um, not making the playoffs for him. And the Chiefs, I mean, they've got their swagger back. The Chiefs are just a damn good football team. I said this in my last episode. It's not their offense. It's not Patrick Mahomes. It's not magic. It's not some crazy unexplicable they're enchanted they're magical they've got like the fucking god's touch you know they're blessed whatever they're just a damn good football team they've got all types of weapons obviously we know that but beyond that i mean good running back play Clyde edwards hilaire look like a really good really good back in this game daryl williams is still playing very well we know how good tyree kill travis kelsey are and the thing is travis kelsey was out this game tyree kill only had two catches so they still won by 26, and those guys weren't really a factor in this game. That's honestly scarier than if they were. The fact that they blew off, or whoa, that pause, pause. The fact that they blew a team off the field like that. There we go. They didn't blow anyone off. <laughs> the fact that they blew a team off the field like that um, was just very impressive, and how they did it without those guys. Uh, Got to give them a lot of credit there. And again, I think they're the best team in the AFC. They've got everything. Their offensive line is coming together very well. Creed Humphreys and that other guard from, who's also a rookie that I can't remember his goddamn name. I can't even remember where he went to school right now, but I liked that guy a lot. And I literally would have been able to name his name like 48 hours ago. 
whatever. You can look him up if you want. He's another rookie. He's playing guard for their team. He's very good. Um, and then Nick Bolton, another rookie. He's just playing very well. Obviously, their corners have had great success in the past, and I've already seen it uh, at times this year. Um, yeah, just a very, very damn good football team is what I'm trying to say. Frank Clark showed up big in this game. Um, Chris Jones, we know he's probably the second best defensive tackle in the league, which of course is no diss at all when you're playing the same time as Aaron Donald, who's arguably one of the best defensive players, not even arguably, he's one of the best defensive players we've ever seen in the history of the sport. So this Chiefs team is just catching fire at a very good time. They should be Super Bowl favorites. And I think they will go to the Super Bowl. If you turn into my last episode, you already know that. All right, let's just quickly talk about before I get into the awards, last game, Sunday Night Football, Washington versus the Dallas Cowboys. Um, I mean, the Cowboys are back in the Super Bowl bubble. It's crazy how different of a quarterback Dak is at home from away, but it's looking like they're going to get some home games before they have to go to Green Bay in the NFC Championship if they get there. But again, just like the Chiefs, this is just a damn good football team. I mean, they have pretty much no weaknesses. They have one of the best offensive lines in the league. Their defensive line is literally ruining games. Micah Parsons is one of the three best defensive players in the league right now. I'll just say it that way. Trayvon Diggs, obviously he's had his moments where it's feast or famine. He's given up a ton of yards and coverage at times, but still, I mean, 11 picks speaks for themselves. Um, We know how many playmakers they have on offense with two good running backs, three good receivers, uh, this is an extremely deep team with a shit ton of talent. Um, although I don't love their coaching staff at times, I don't really like Mike McCarthy. Um, I like that he's being a little more hands-offish in this one. Uh, it sounds like Kellen Moore is calling plays on defense. I mean, sorry, offense. It sounds like Dan Quinn's calling plays on defense. So I like that approach to it. And if Dak can just play 90%, not even, like 85% of what we saw in this first half of this game, they're going to be absolutely fine. He was lights out in this game. I believe there's a point where... He only had one incompletion with like 20 passes or something like that. Just something ridiculous. Um, and yeah, this Cowboys team is just absolutely loaded and they should definitely be in the Super Bowl bubble. Um, I'm not going to talk about the Saints-Dolphins game simply because, I, I mean, I don't, I don't really care. Like those teams, that, that was just a very ugly game. Not very fun to watch. Ian Book, like I said, is just not an NFL quarterback. I was very surprised that he was drafted the Saints, or I think he might have been an undrafted free agent. Either way, I was very surprised to see him on a roster. Um, no hate against the guy. Again, like if you're in the league at all, that's fucking all credit to you. Um, who am I to talk? I'm just some dude fucking talking here to a microphone about in a podcast that you know fucking close friends and family listen to. But my point is, comparatively relatively speaking he's not a very talented nfl quarterback they'll just say it that way and um yeah i mean tua didn't even play great either but the saints are just so beat up and miami's just very hot right now obviously i think they're the only team in nfl history to have a seven game loss streak followed by a seven game win streak and there's a very real chance they make that seven seed in the playoffs so good for miami um i don't think they will i think there's other teams that deserve it more i i mean maybe they will but i don't really know if they deserve it you know i'd much rather see a team like the chargers make that make that spot i'd probably even see the raiders over them not that i think the raiders will but yeah anyways point is that was just a pretty ugly game and um ian book i'm sorry dude not trying to be an asshole here or anything not that you're listening to this but yeah just Everything's about perspective. Everything's about perspective and 
relatively speaking, he's not a good quarterback. You get my point. All right, moving on to the awards and what I think is going to happen at the end of the season. We're going to be going over offensive rookie of the year, defensive rookie of the year, comeback player of the year, coach of the year, offensive player of the year, defensive player of the year, and finally and most importantly, MVP. So let's just start it in that order. First, offensive rookie of the year. I think I've got to give it to Mac Jones. There's been a ton of really, really good offensive rookies. Of course, there's been Jamar Chase, who, you know, at the beginning of the year really caught fire, was really on pace to shatter a shit ton of records. And he's kind of cooled off a little bit since then, had some up and down games. Um, but just the impact, even like guys like Rashawn Slater could be mentioned in that conversation because he has just been an absolute fucking clamp for the Chargers. Just such a good tackle. Um, but with the impact that quarterback has on the game, uh, with how quickly the Patriots have taken a turn in the media's perception of them and how seriously they were taking compared to last year to this year, um, I think Mac Jones just has to take this award. Defensive Rookie of the Year, it's Micah Parsons. I don't. Do I have to say anything else? Like I don't think it's a competition at this point. It's Micah Parsons, and then everybody else is miles behind him. Comeback Player of the Year. I'm going to say Joe Burrow. I know Dak will probably win it. And I know Dak probably deserves it given where his team is going to be seated. But I just think given what Joe Burrow is asked to do and how flawlessly he's played and how many big moments he's showed up. Um, obviously, I love PFF. PFF has him as their highest graded quarterback right now. That's a, There's a damn good reason for that. He is playing lights out football right now. And I think even if Dak was... You know, if there's a backup quarterback in Dak's position versus a backup quarterback, if there was a same, let's say Cooper Rush played for the Bengals. I think the Bengals would have a lot more struggles with Cooper Rush versus Cooper Rush on Dallas. So that's kind of how I'm breaking it down. That's kind of how I see it. I just think Joe Burrow is a little more valuable to that team. And he's just honestly playing a little bit better, in my opinion. Joe Burrow is literally one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL this year. And that injury, obviously both these injuries were extremely brutal that they sustained. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd have to give the edge to Joe Burrow here. Coach of the year, it's got to be Bill Belichick. Um, I know Matt LaFleur is doing some great things, but Aaron Rodgers is getting a lot of credit there, as he should. And they've got an amazing coaching staff there and some really, really good personnel. Nothing taken away from him. Um, but again, I just honestly think the talent of Aaron Rodgers is going to get most of that attention off of LaFleur, in my opinion. I think that's just kind of how it goes. And Belichick being basically the effective GM of this Patriots team has to get some more credit for building a team this fast and turning a team around this fast. It's not like the Patriots are a complete dumpster fire last year or anything. I believe they were 9-7. and seven. But just how they're perceived in the league and how quickly their perception and yeah, just the perception of media, the perception of other teams around the league. I think that they just respect the hell out of what he did. And I think you have to respect the hell out of what he's done this year. He's had some very, very big signature wins. I think if he beat Tampa that day in New England, he'd be like hands down coach of the year. But I love Frank Reich in this conversation too. Um, if they won their division, I think it would be him. So let's say Jimmy G didn't fuck up so bad and win that game for the Niners last week and the Colts had a serious shot of winning the division and they could win their division, then I think Frank Reich would win it just given how they started the year one and four and how they're legitimate powerhouse in the AFC now. Um, 
and I've been talking about Frank Reich all year, so maybe that's a little biased towards me, but I just really like what he's doing there. But again, I just have to give a slight edge towards Bill Belichick. And I think there's kind of a fatigue here. It's kind of like that Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, uh, even like Michael Jordan type deal where like you could argue they should they could win it each and every single year that i think that's part of the problem why Belichick won't win it but i seriously think he deserves it in this one anyways offensive player of the year i think you have to give it to cooper cup um especially with the pace he's on i mean he is just fucking ridiculous he's basically averaging like 120 some odd there's 100 i mean i could probably look it up uh yards per game cooper cup let's just check really quick right uh not 29 115 yards per game that is just absolutely fucking absurd and i believe he's on pace to tie most receptions in a season most receiving yards in a season um he is just on a different level right now he is by far and away the best receiver in the nfl and that's in an nfl that is extremely pass heavy extremely talented at the receiver position between justin jefferson debo samuel all those guys like that um but just because of the raw stats, and stats do matter a shit ton in these awards, I think Cooper Cup is the offensive player of the year. Moving on to the defensive player of the year. This is a very controversial one. There's a lot of opinions, a lot of different um, calls, I guess, a lot of different pieces of evidence for who likes who. Some people like TJ Watt, some people like Miles Garrett, some people like Trayvon Diggs. I like Micah Parsons. Sorry, guys. I, I know this might be a little controversial. I know that he's just a rookie. I know there's only one other guy in the past that has done this. But what they're asking him to do, no other defensive player in the NFL is being asked to do what Micah Parsons does. And his versatility, his ability to pick, up, pick it up so quickly. And honestly, I think being a rookie makes it even more impressive. I mean, if he was solely an edge rusher coming off the edge he'd be leading the league in sacks if he was solely a stand-up linebacker he'd be damn near the top of the league in tackles uh he's great in coverage he can literally just do anything he can cover a wide receiver if you asked him to and he can take on some of the best tackles in the nfl so michael parsons just due to his versatility due to what he's being asked to do due to the way he turned around this defense so quickly obviously there's other parts of this you know Demarcus Lawrence getting healthy, Trayvon Diggs really breaking out, but even them have had their, even them, yeah, that's that's thanks to English, right? Yeah, even those guys have had their ups and downs. Micah has just been solid as a rock. He has been so impactful for this defense. He's been so impactful for this team, and for all those reasons, I think he is deserving of Defensive Player of the Year. And now the big bad award going to the big bad man. MVP, that's right. It's going to Aaron Rodgers. Uh, as much as it pains me to hear it and say it out loud, I just have to give him credit where it's due. Um, I know there's a voter fatigue here, and I know people don't really like back-to-back -back MVPs, but it's kind of hard to argue uh, with Brady getting shut out recently, with Brady kind of going through a little bit of a slump, with Kyler Murray definitely going through a slump. Those were the two previous favorites to me, and I really just don't see a way that they give it to Patrick Mahomes and I don't obviously this one seed having the one buy is just so damn important and we saw how different this Green Bay offense was when Aaron Rodgers wasn't there that one game against Kansas City uh he is just so meaningful this team I think he's gonna win the MVP I think he's gonna win the Super Bowl I think he's gonna win the Super Bowl MVP and I don't think he's gonna end up leaving Green Bay unfortunately for Bears fans across the country all right, guys, that's going to be it for this day's 
episode. I hope you guys did enjoy again birthday episode. So if you want to wish me a happy birthday, just share this with your friends and family. Just follow my Instagram at professional sports talk. And I appreciate the hell out of each and every single one of you. Thank you so much for tuning in and I'll catch you next time guys. Peace.